You're listening to Worship Life Radio with Pastor Holland Davis of Calvary Chapel San Clemente. On today's edition... And what ends up happening when you compare yourself to others, you stop, you, you stop being concerned about increasing the faith of others, building up their faith, because it's not about building up others, it's about you. You stop being concerned about the sphere of influence that God has entrusted to you. Because you want what God has entrusted to someone else. And therefore you're not focused on what God has put right in front of you. When comparison creeps into our lives, we can suffer in many ways. Comparison is a form of pride where we are more consumed with ourselves rather than the people who are around us. In today's message, Pastor Holland will help us see the danger in comparison when it comes to others. It keeps us from wanting to build other people up and blinds us to what God is doing right now in our lives. Thankfully, we don't have to live in a constant state of comparison and God will help us find a way out. Well, let's join Pastor Holland in the book of Numbers chapter 11 as he continues his message, Complainers in the Wilderness. You know, we value a certain thing. We put success and we label a certain, you know, celebrity and all oh, that's the picture of success. But what if God, in God's economy, the picture of success is the dad that just takes care of his family, loves his kids, never is known about outside of his little neighborhood, but his kids grow up serving the Lord, loving Jesus. You would never hear of him, never know about him, but Jesus knows about him because he was faithful with what he was entrusted with. See, God measures success differently than the way we do. You see, the second thing that comparison does is it costs you, it causes you to boast beyond measure, to be ambitious for things that are beyond the limits that God has appointed you to have. You start going after stuff that isn't really yours. In our culture, we call that good marketing, right? I'm going to expand my markets. I'm going to go after things that, you know, I, I believe I deserve more, so I'm going to go get more. But I've lived long enough and I've counseled enough billionaires to know that having more doesn't mean you're doing better. In fact, having more often means that I have to spend more time focusing on stuff that I don't really want to focus on and it takes away from my family and then I'm worried about all the people that want to steal what I have. And there's no peace. They've gone beyond what they have the capacity to deal with, what they have the capacity to maintain, what God has appointed them to have. And then you start taking credit for things you shouldn't even be involved in. I'm doing this. Oh, you are. Why are you doing that? I won this award for this. Like, wow, I didn't even know you were into that. How did you end up there? Well, you know, that's just what I got to do to be successful in my industry. Comparison. It causes you to overextend yourself to overextend your authority, to take on more responsibility, to work longer hours, to take on ownership of things that aren't even yours. 
to own. And as a father, as a husband, this is probably one of the areas that I think men struggle with, something that I've struggled with, where I've invested my time in places where I didn't own it, I didn't benefit from it, and my family suffered for it. And at the end of everyone, every man's life that I've ever met, they never, I've never heard one person say, you know, I wish I would have spent another hour at the office. I wish I would have spent more time on my career. All of them say the same thing. I wish I would have spent more time with my kids, with what really mattered in life, with my family. And when you compare yourself, you start commending yourself your accomplishments, your labors. Look at everything I've done. And eventually you start boasting about your accomplishments in another man's sphere of of accomplishment. You start taking credit for other people's stuff. Oh, that guy did that. Yeah, well, you know, actually, to tell you the truth, you know, the idea was mine. It's that comparison where you want credit, because somehow you think that all of these things add value to you. They think somehow it makes you more important in the world's eyes or in God's eyes. And Pastor Chuck would often talk about not building on another man's foundation. Don't go and take credit for someone else's work. Be faithful to what God has given you to do. And what ends up happening when you compare yourself to others, you you stop being concerned about increasing the faith of others, building up their faith, because it's not about building up others, it's about you. You stop being concerned about the sphere of influence that God has entrusted to you. Because you want what God has entrusted to someone else. And therefore, you're not focused on what God has put right in front of you. You stop preaching the gospel in the areas that you've been given to preach the gospel in. Every believer here has been placed in your companies, in your cities, in your places of employment, at whatever level of employment, to be a light to the people that are around you to bring the gospel to them? Are you being faithful to bring the gospel to them? Are you being faithful to be the good news to them, to be Jesus to them? And you lose the sense of awe and wonder in what God is doing because you're in awe of what you're doing. It's hard to see God at work. And eventually, you lose the well-done, good, and faithful servant because you forget that it's not about Jesus commending you. It's about how successful you are. And the reality is is that at the end of the day, we're not going to hear Jesus say, well done, good, and successful servant. He's going to say, well done, good, and faithful servant. Were you faithful with what I gave you? But Lord, it wasn't much. Yeah, but did you take care of it? If you couldn't take care of the little, do you really want more to be responsible for? 
if you can't take care of the little that he gives you? And the bottom line is, is the Lord commending you? And if the Lord is commending you, then he doesn't reward success the way the world rewards success. He rewards faithfulness. That's what success in the kingdom of heaven is. Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find righteousness? Is that what he said? Or will he find a pure, spotless bride? Jesus is coming back for a pure, spotless bride. Is that really true? As if the blood of Jesus doesn't really cleanse all of our sins. His bride is messed up and dirty. Maybe you've heard preachers say that. I guess the blood of Jesus really doesn't cleanse us from every sin, if that's true. Oh, I know what the Son of Man is looking for. He's looking for godly people. That's what it is. He's going to come back and look for the godly ones. Is that what it says? How will you know the godly ones? Oh, they're the ones with the successful ministries. How are those ministries? How do you know if they're successful? Because the pastor's popular, that's it. That's the successful one. No. Actually, what it says is, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find faithfulness? Will he find faithful people doing what they've been entrusted with? And God is looking for faith. He's looking for faithfulness. And if you have the disease of comparison, instead of being faithful where God has placed you, all you will do is complain. And complaining is the result of unbelief. You don't see God working where you are. I don't believe that God will do here what he promised that he would do. Now, if you're like me, you probably feel pretty convicted. And because uh, it's, I feel like I said, I'm, I'm preaching to myself this morning. And so I, the last thing I want to look at is how do we stop complaining? How do you stop complaining? The way we stop complaining is really simple. Everything in the kingdom of heaven is so, super simple. And the way we stop complaining is that we need to see things the way God sees things. It's that simple. We see things the way that they are seen by God. Everything God sees is the truth. So if we're going to see things that are truth, if we're looking for truth, then we're going to see it the way God sees it. And that's what it means to be in the Spirit. When you're in the Spirit, it's God's perspective, God's power. When you're in the flesh, it's man's perspective, man's power. I'm looking through my own eyes. But when I'm walking in the Spirit, then I'm looking through the eyes of God. And look at how God described the manna. In Numbers chapter 11, verse 7, it says, Now the manna was like coriander seed. What does that mean? Coriander seed. It was easy to handle. It was the color of delium, which is, crystal, which is a crystal white color, which means that it was easy to find. You could find it on the ground. The people went about and gathered it, which meant it was easy to get. They ground it on millstones or beat it in mortar. They cooked it in pans and made cakes of it. So it could take on any texture you want. You could, you could be creative with it and make any kind of dish you wanted with it. 
Its taste was like the taste of pastry prepared with oil, which meant it tasted like Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> it's amazing. Worship Life Radio with Holland Davis will continue right after this. Hi, this is Holland Davis, and I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel in San Clemente. And I just want to take a moment and invite you to come and visit us at one of our Sunday morning services or to our midweek Bible study. Calvary Chapel San Clemente is a Jesus people community right here in the city of San Clemente, California. You know, we identify with our roots in the Jesus movement because that's where I came to Christ. And of course, that's where Calvary Chapel was born. When you come to our church, you're going to find a church that loves to worship the Lord with song. We love to study God's word verse by verse. And we love to share the love of God with other people. If that's the kind of church you're looking for, consider visiting us. You can find out all about us online at calvarysancomeni.org. We look forward to worshiping with you soon, and may God richly bless you. Now, let's continue with today's edition of Worship Life Radio. And when the dew fell on the camp in the night, the manna fell on it, which means it was packaged by the dew. It was protected from going bad. And it was kept clean. It was kept from being dirty by the sand. And so when you read this description, you realize that the way God provided for his people was very thoughtful. And the way God provides for you is very thoughtful. It's unique to you. It's how he cares for you. It might be different for me how he provides for me than how he provides for you. But how he does it is very thoughtful. And it was in abundance. There was enough for everyone. And it was new every morning. And it tasted sweet. And that's how God provides for you. That is the truth of his provision for you. It's sweet. It's enough. And he's thinking about you when he's providing it. What do you need? What's going to be best for you? God is love, and everything he does demonstrates his love for us. And had the mixed multitude saw God's provision for them as a blessing of love, they would have been able to have a grateful heart. How often do we not have a grateful heart? Be simply because of the way we see God's provision in our life. We complain. Lack of gratitude. So next time you feel like complaining, meditate on this scripture, Philippians 4.8. It says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true. First of all, you got to know, is what you're complaining about, is it even true? How much of what you complain about is stuff that hasn't even happened yet? It may not even happen. It may not even be true. Think about what is true. Is it noble? Is it just? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on this. Does it inspire worship in you? Not complaining. 
Meditate on those things that inspire worship in you. Ask God to give you his perspective, to change the way you look at things, to change the way you think about things. That's what repentance is, by the way, to change the way you think about things. Ask God to give you a fresh revelation of his love for you. Ask God to free you from comparison. Ask God to empower you to be his hands and his feet in the midst of the circumstances you're complaining about, to be the solution. Not just point out the problem. I don't know about you, but I know what problems are, don't you? I know where all the holes in my life are. I don't need someone to tell me where the holes are. What I need are people that are willing to pick up shovels and fill the holes. A couple reminders in Exodus 16.8. Moses said, This shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and in the morning bread to the full, for the Lord hears your complaints which you make against him. And what are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. And so remember, when you're complaining, you're complaining against the Lord. Instead of waiting on him, you're complaining. And if the Lord is the person you're complaining to, if that's what you're complaining about, it's going to be hard to get help from him. You know, you don't bite the hand that feeds you. You're not going to go and get help from the person that you're upset with. You're not even going to approach him. Philippians 2, 14 through 15 says, Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. And so whatever you do, do it without complaining so the world will see Jesus shining through you. You're shining in the world, which means you're putting off light. Light reflects off of services. What is your light reflecting? Complaining or Jesus? Let Jesus be the thing that the world sees. And keep in mind, Paul is writing this in the midst of Roman oppression. When they were persecuting the church, where his freedoms were being violated, Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. And simply to say this as a reminder to us, you know, if you see other people as better than you, it's hard to complain against them. It's hard to complain against someone that you look up to, that you're elevating, that you're blessing. And that's the point that Paul is making. You know, if you are looking out after your wife's interest, if you're looking out for your husband's interest, your parents' interest, or whoever's interest, if you're looking out their interest and not your own, it's going to be hard to complain against them because you want to bless them, not tear them down. But as I said earlier, part of that whole attitude of complaining comes from someone that really doesn't have a relationship with God. And so they feel like an outsider. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe what God is saying to you this morning is, 
I want to rekindle my relationship with you. I want you to know that I'm with you. I want you to know that I am here. That I haven't left you. I haven't forsaken you. And I want you to walk with me. I want you to see how I'm going to work in the midst of your circumstances that you're complaining about. I want to see, I want you to see how I'm going to glorify myself through it. And so for you, maybe it's as simple as surrendering your life to Jesus afresh, just saying, Jesus, I'm sorry, I've been complaining. I'm just going to surrender my life to you again. You do whatever you want, Lord. And I'm going to trust you that you're working what's best in my life because he is working what's best in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word to us. And Lord, I pray for those like myself, Lord. We've complained. And we've complained because there's times when, Lord, we just don't feel like we are part of your family. Somehow we feel like we're the stepchild or we're the outsiders. And so, Lord, we ask that you would forgive us for complaining. We ask, Lord, that you would fill us with your perspective. That you would open our eyes to see as you see. Lord, that you would open our eyes to see what is really true about the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And that, Lord, we would trust you to work in the midst of our circumstances. Not to do what we think you should do, but, Lord, to be open to whatever you desire to do. To be completely surrendered to you, Lord. Lord, that you would help us to see others as better than ourselves. Lord, that we would seek to be a blessing in each other's lives. If you need to make right your relationship with the Lord this morning, you can pray this simple prayer, mean it with all your heart, just say, Jesus, I surrender to you. I don't want to fight you anymore. I don't want to complain. I want to trust you. And so forgive me, Lord. Forgive me for complaining. And I thank you that your promises are new every morning. I thank you that you do forgive and you do heal and you do restore and you are enough. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the power to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed the program today. You know, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You know, there's going to be a day when all of us are going to stand before Jesus, and only those who have surrendered their life to Him will spend eternity with Him. Don't you want to be part of those that spend eternity with Jesus in heaven? You can pray this simple prayer 
and mean it with all your heart. Just say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I confess that you have raised from the dead. Forgive me of all my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the power to live for you all the days of my life. If you've prayed that prayer, then I can say with assurance that you will be saved on that day. Thanks for tuning in today to Worship Life Radio. We're so glad you were able to join us in the book of Numbers as Pastor Holland has been sharing some good things from an Old Testament book. If this message has blessed you and you'd like to hear more from this series, you can find these teachings online at calvarysanclemente.org. Just look under the teaching tab. While you're there, you can also learn more about Calvary Chapel San Clemente, the church this ministry originates from. We'd love for you to join us for worship this weekend too. You can come in person or join us online. Find all the information you need on our website. Again, that's calvarysanclemente.org. As we wrap up today's message, we'd like to offer an opportunity for you to partner with us in spreading the good news of the gospel. Would you join us in praying for those listening to this radio program? Please pray for ears to be open and hearts to be turned toward the truth and love of Jesus. Would you be interested in partnering with us in another way as well? We're grateful for those who prayerfully consider supporting us financially to further the cause of this ministry in reaching the lost. If you feel led to do so, you can show your support by clicking on the Give tab and going from there. Once again, that's CalvaryChapelSanClemente.org. How can we be praying for you? Give us a call at 949-228-9117. That's 949-228-9117. Join us again on Worship Life Radio. Have you ever wondered what it means to be saved? What are you saved from? Is salvation only about going to heaven? Pastor Holland's message series, So Great a Salvation, will answer these questions and help you discover the rich, abundant life salvation brings. Order your personal copy of So Great a Salvation at worshipliferadio.com.